Good evening all, God bless you, it's nice to be here again and as, as Graham said, a blessing to be able to meet um, and there's people all over the world that can meet together so it's good not to be getting persecuted it's funny, we had a, a friend over from uh, Romania it was, a friend, it was a friend's father, it was Karen's friend's dad and um, he'd been through all the persecutions of communism and he'd actually been jailed because he pushed through a crowd of people to give a letter he'd written to Ceausescu and he'd been in jail several times and he came to our house once night and he couldn't speak any English at all so his daughter interpreted and he just preached a message for us it was really nice but what he said it was telling was when the persecution stopped the church took a massive dip and it never recovered so persecution is a bad thing nobody wants it but somehow the Lord works in it somehow the Lord works in it so, praise God, let's just pray before we start. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, Lord, for the, the wonderful things that you do in all our lives, Lord, for the way you care for us, Lord, that you guide us, that you look after us in every single way and provide for us. Lord, we just thank you for your presence in our midst tonight. We pray for your anointing, Lord, as the word goes forth, that you would help us all to learn from your word Lord because it's there for a reason it's there to give us strength Lord it's there to correct us Lord it's there to lift us up and we just pray Father you touch us all now and help us in Jesus name Amen uh, I'm just going to summarise uh, what we said last week to get us back up I don't know if anybody's gone I know Sheila's gone and read the rest of that book but it's just to bring us back to where we were and then we can move on from there. I was talking about the, the work of the enemy and how he attacks our lives and how he attacks the church. Um, and I gave 12 things. Uh, there probably are more, but these are the 12 that I covered. So the first one that I spoke about was he, he created a clear and present danger. So when the devil comes, he comes with a real attack. He comes with real problems. Yeah? And when the army turned up at the gates of Jerusalem, it was a real problem. The next thing was that he preached to you. So the devil likes you to hear his word and not hear God's word. He likes to express his ideals and put them in your head rather than you hearing what God has to say. The third thing was he turned up in spirit. So when the devil comes, it's not just something and nothing. There's a real presence. The devil has his angels, just like God has his, and that's real. And that creates that emotion in you. He attacks your confidence and your faith. So remember he said... To the people on the wall, why are you so confident? What makes you think you're going to win? Just to make you step back and think, oh, why are we confident in God? Just to put that wee bit of doubt in. He attacked our confession. So he said we were whistling in the graveyard. All that talk about Jesus and how he's going to help you. Blow the rubbish. And he told you that you should worship in your own way. Remember, Hezekiah was a great king. He pulled down all the high places and they tore up the Ashtoreth of Rods and he broke the serpent. And the people were quite annoyed at that because they quite liked the wee religion that they had. And the devil played in that. Why are you doing these things? Why are you bothering with the word? Just go back to what you used to do. Tells us that we're useless. No matter how many soldiers you get, no matter how big an army, how big your God is, you're going to fail. Tells you that. He undermines the leadership. Pastor's no good. What's he telling you that for? What's he really up to? Why does he really want you here? What's really going on with that church? What are the leaders doing? Do they tell you about it? What are they talking about? 
And he gets in that way and he starts to loosen the, the love and the, the faith that we have in our uh, leaders that the Lord's put in place. And that's different from questioning. You're allowed to question what people are doing. But the devil doesn't want you just to question. He wants you to think badly of them. So he undermines the leadership. And that's the difference. That's quite subtle. If people are talking about leadership and they've got genuine things, who should they be talking to? The leadership. If you're talking to one another, I think there's maybe a wee problem. That's undermining the leadership. He tells us that a new thing's happening. Remember he said to the people, come with me, I'll take you away to somewhere. It'll be just like what you have just now, but even better, milk and honey, and you have all the things that you need. Come with me, it'll be fine. I've got a new religion, I've got something better. God's moving on from where you are. Come with me. And then finally he tells you the biggest lie. That he's always going to win. I've defeated all these other gods. They never stood against me. How come your God's going to help? And that's where we left it. And it was pretty depressing. <laughs> it did seem that the devil had a wee bit of the upper hand. But what I'm going to look at, and I hope we've got the time tonight, is just the response of the people of Israel. What actually they've done against this huge army, this huge threat that had stepped right up to their gates. And not only stepped up to their gates, but they already swept in and taken most of the cities in Judah. So they were an occupying force in the land. And here they were coming right up to the capital city now for that final part of the attack. And remember I said that the devil had sent his top men. It was the commander that was there. And then his right hand man and the others, it was the top men and the best of the army that were there. And he said all these things, so I want you to turn to 2 Kings 18.36, please. And this is a response to an attack of the enemy. <coughs> and what we're hoping to learn tonight is just when the devil does come in, how should we deal with it? When we have all these challenges in life and we've got all these problems and we feel bad and we feel overcome and isolated and set away from our friends and without help at all how should we deal with that when the devil comes full force so we got it as everybody at 2nd Kings 18.36 right okay so it says but the people held their peace and answered him not a word for the king's commandment was saying answer him not so that's interesting so here we've got this big bold guy standing shouting, oh we're going to come and get you and you're beaten and no matter what you do you're finished. A natural instinct, natural human instinct is to fight back. Not your no, God's on our side, we're going to sort you out. It's to have a go back, it's to get involved in a conversation. But the king, Hezekiah, was clever. What did he actually tell these men to do? He said, don't answer a word. And that's sound advice. Because see when the devil comes around and starts talking to you, start giving you thoughts, do you know what? It's better not to enter into an argument with them. Much better not to enter into an argument. Not to start and go, yeah, but devil, but no, 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 because God's going to do this. God, it's sometimes better just not to answer at all. Because I guarantee you, he's got one up with you in the argument stakes. Now that might sound daft. Because when somebody has a go, you want to have a go back. You want to get in well, you sit there. What did Jesus do with the devil? 
uh, his hardest test when Jesus, well, maybe not his hardest test, but it was when he was fasting and praying when he was out in the wilderness, the devil came to him at his weakest time after his fast 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil said, Turn the stones into bread. Jesus just quoted the word. And he didn't quote a lot of the word. We didn't go into a big theological debate with the devil. We didn't have this big, all right, I've got this whole sermon, I'll preach it back. He just quoted the word very simply. And the best thing to do with the devil is not to enter into the argument. If you're going to say anything, quote the word. So when you're feeling overcome, when your mind's overcome with thoughts that, you know, oh, I don't feel right and I'm feeling low and how am I going to cope with this? Go back to what the word says. Find something in scripture. I used to like the wee Bibles used to get at school. And I wasn't a Christian or anything, but it was nice to give you the wee red Bible. It's just the Psalms and the New Testament, but it had a wee bit in it if you are feeling lonely, if you're feeling sad. And you could look at that and go, actually, yeah, there's wee scriptures in there, and that's, that's nice. And that's dead basic, but it's where we need to be when the devil comes in. Not getting embroiled in the how do I fix it and problem at work, what do I do? Well, if I talk to him and talk to that and then do this and do that, or if I go and see the teacher at school, no, when the devil comes in, you quote the word. That's the first thing, right? Another thing that Jesus done with the devil when he came, when Peter, remember Peter said to him, Lord, not you. Not you, Lord. How, you're not going to go away and die. That's terrible. Did he enter into a big debate with Peter? Well, actually, Peter, here's how it is, you know, and I don't think you're right because he just said, Get thee behind me, Satan. So, our minds are very active. God's given us an incredible brain. It's fantastic. There's nothing like it on earth. They can't recreate it. Artificial intelligence. So, we out there still compare our brain. But that's a negative thing because when things happen, we like to think them through. We like to debate, oh, well, if I do that, and we like to plan. And that's where we go wrong. That just gets us deeper and deeper into the hole. When we get problems, go back to the word. When you know it's the enemy attacking you, you feel depressed, you feel down, and that problem's unsolvable. No. You just go back to the scripture. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Any scripture, there's lots of them. And you take the scripture that's applicable to that situation. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. These people were just silent. King told them, don't enter into debate. So that's the first thing. Second Kings 18.37, it says, Then came Elikim, the son of Hilkah, which was over the household of Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah, this is the second thing, with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the house of the Lord. So the first thing when the devil comes in is don't enter into debate. Don't have an argument with the devil. Back to the word. Keep it simple. The second thing is here that they humbled themselves before the Lord. It says they rent their clothes. They covered themselves with sackcloth. Now you don't physically have to tear your clothes these days. God's not expecting you to get your best jeans, your Armanis and cut them up. You go, Lord, see, I've cut up my Armanis. But he does want you to rend your heart. He does want you to humble yourself. That's so important. So, so important. Because that putting on the sackcloth and taking off your outward garments, taking off you, you're stripping yourself of the outside. 
You're taking off your covering and you're putting on a covering of humility. And they go to the house of the Lord. They make their way straight to where God is. Now that doesn't mean you have to trot down to the church. Because we know that's not the same. We're the house of the Lord now. You seek the Lord. So when the devil comes in, you humble yourself and you seek the Lord. And you think with Hezekiah, he was a really, really spiritual guy. He was the best king there'd been in Judah, ever. Yet he still knew, I can't deal with this myself. I need to humble myself. I need to seek the Lord. So he took off his garments, he rent his garments, he put on sackcloth, and they all went down to the Lord. How can we do that? Obviously prayer. But more importantly, fasting. A real way to humble yourself before God as a Christian is to fast. It's to put away your worldly things. It's to give up your food, your time, and to fast and pray. Now there's a power in that. I don't do it enough. But there's a power in fasting and prayer. It's how you humble yourself before the Lord. And this is why it's important. And we know this scripture, James 4, 7, says, Therefore, submit to God. In some scriptures it says, Therefore, humble yourself before the Lord. In some translations, sorry. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Fasting, praying. So if we're under attack, humble yourself. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-mindedness. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure if I should be doing this or doing that. Lament and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I think the church has lost that. I think we're not as good at being humble before the Lord as we used to be. And as these people were, it's just really getting broken before the Lord. And I've said it before, we need to repent as Christians. If we really want to take this enemy on, not just in our own lives, but for, you know, we're praying for the nation and there's all these things going on. We really need to humble ourselves before the Lord. He's talking to the church here. He's talking to the church. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. I think the devil's got one up on us because we fail to do that. We fail to really humble ourselves before the Lord. So, the natural conclusion is we don't get lifted up. Therefore, we're down. Simple as that. So, firstly, they didn't enter into an argument. Secondly, they humbled themselves before the Lord. And that's such a simple thing, but so vital and so hard to do in a busy life. Thirdly, the next thing they done is they went to see the prophet. Okay, so in Second Kings 19.3, they went to see Isaiah. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says, this day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. I actually felt it was a day of disgrace because this army had swept in, come through the country and were standing right in front of God's holy place, right in front of Jerusalem. And he felt ashamed of that. How have I let that happen? How has it happened? It's a disgrace. As when the children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. 
It may be that the Lord, your God, will hear all the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God. This man's coming to ridicule you, God. And that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore pray for the remnant that it still survives. Hezekiah, as I said, was a man that knew God. He could easily have prayed himself. He could easily have just said, well, Lord, you know, here it is, here's the situation. But he knew God had put a prophet in the land. Somebody that could tell him God's perfect will. Now we we know the scripture, we know how to live a Christian life, fact, but sometimes we need to know God's perfect will. The Apostle Paul says that he prays for the saints, he says, I pray that you would know the perfect will of the Lord. So there's situations in our life when we can't deal with ourselves, we need to reach out for help. And sometimes we don't like doing that. Sometimes we find it hard to go and ask another Christian. To seek a ministry that's maybe got a prophetic ministry. Somebody that has a real word from the Lord that can speak to us. To go to a pastor and say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. God's put people in place in the church. Five-fold ministry. And he works through them. He didn't put them there just to be about and look good. He works through them. (coughs) So when the devil attacks, there's a time that we just need to go and say, Can somebody help me? Can you pray for me? Remember the Lord, he actually says to Isaiah, and this is really interesting, he says, It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words that the field commander says. So he's saying, look, the devil's attacking. Can you, can you go before God and just see if God's seen what's happening? I don't feel like it. I, I'm not sure what's going on, but maybe you could pray and the Lord will speak to you. He asked for prayer. He was humble enough to go away and just say, Go on, just pray for me. And I like that. I like this. And Nicola looks after it. We can put out a prayer request. If Hezekiah knew it would work, how much more should we know it's going to work? Ask for prayer. Because sometimes God will wait until you've asked before he answers. And Hezekiah caught that. He knew that this was too big for himself, so I'm going to go to the prophet. I'm going to ask him to pray. In James 5.14, and we know this scripture, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed, any sins will be forgiven. We could spend all night talking about prayer. The need for prayer. It's important when the devil's about, ask for prayer. If you're not asking for prayer, I'm terrible for it. I don't like to ask anybody anything because I think I'm, I'm annoying them. I'm burdening them. I better not ask. And we're like that, we're British, we're a wee bit like, we're, do it ourselves. No. Ask for prayer. God works in prayer. So that's the fourth thing. So, number one, they said nothing. They didn't argue with the devil. Number two, they humbled themselves before the Lord. Number three, they went to see the prophet so they could find God's perfect will. They wanted to know exactly what God had for them in the situation. They knew how to be Christians. Aye, they knew how to do the right thing. 
But they wanted to know exactly what God was doing in that situation. Number five, he framed his request correctly. Okay? The Bible says we have not because we ask amiss. Right? Now it's kind of, for me, I go, how do I know I'm asking amiss, Lord? <laughs> we haven't got Tony. Oh, teach us to pray, Lord. Yeah? Teach us to pray. And this is what I'm going to show you this time. And I say that we said, well, he actually says, right? And this is, this really struck me. He says, it may be that the Lord your God, this is him, them talking to Isaiah, it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander. He's not saying, Lord, hear my words. Lord, hear us, hear, help us, help us. He's saying, did you hear the words of the field commander? Did God hear that? Did God hear the words? Is God up there watching this? Watching this man standing in front of his holy place, the church, me, the temple of the Holy Ghost, coming and threatening? Has he heard? Has he actually heard? Is he listening? And they're, they're, they're saying, Lord, look, these fellows have come. They've come right to the gates of Jerusalem. He's saying that he'll defeat us. He's actually saying that he'll come and he's come in your name. Lord, can you see what the devil's doing to me? How he's attacking me? Lord, are you up there? And that's what they're asking. Hezekiah's people have gone. They're standing before Isaiah. And has God even seen this? Because do you know what? He's not having a go at me, God. He's having a go at you. I've testified. I've told everybody I'm a Christian. And that God loves me and he'll see me through everything. And here's this devil coming. And he's saying, I shouldn't have trust. He's slagging me off. He's saying that we shouldn't have confidence. He's telling me that I'm totally defeated. He's saying that he's come in your name. He's saying that he's got a new religion I should go and follow. Are you seeing this, God? Are you seeing it? He's not asking for help for himself. He's asking if God's going to stand up for himself. Are you going to stand up for yourself, God? It's you that's getting attacked. It's your city. It's your son. Lord, I'm getting attacked. I'm your child. Can you see it? That's an unusual way to pray. That's an unusual way to pray. Lord, this is your name they're taking in vain. If I go into work and everything goes wrong, everybody will laugh. And all my enemies will trample over me like David used to pray. My enemies are trampling over my head. They laugh me to scorn. Do we pray that? Lord, don't let my enemies laugh me to scorn. Because if they do, Lord, it's your name they're taking in vain. It's your name they're laughing at. Lord, stand up for your name. Stand up for Christ in me. I think that's quite a bold prayer. Quite a bold prayer for them to pray. No, oh, help me, Lord. I'm having a bad time, Lord. You need to fight these guys because they're fighting you. So that's how they prayed. And I think that prayer, Lord, I'm ill. And I'm going to the doctors and they're saying it's incurable or whatever it is. And they're laughing. Because I've told them I'm a Christian and you're going to heal me. Are you going to take that, Lord? Because they're laughing at you. So the Lord's mighty in battle. I like the songs that Graham sang last week after the service. It was a lovely anointing. It was spot on. The Lord's a warrior. And he'll defend himself. 
He'll defend his name. It's in his nature to do that. It's in his nature. And we need to get before the Lord and say, These situations here, Lord, are not only affecting me, they're affecting you. These people are laughing at you, Lord. So, how to frame the prayer? How to pray right? So, praying the right thing rather than praying amiss. So they done that. They went away. And here was God's response. That's, that's how they done it. So just to prove it works. Right, that I'm not talking nonsense. I'm not introducing a new weird way of prayer that we shouldn't pray and we shouldn't be able to do. That Why is he saying that? And why would I challenge God to fight these people on his behalf? In Second Kings 19.5 it says, When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you've heard. Those words which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Those words which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country. And there I will have him cut down with his sword. That's God's judgment on the king of Assyria. But he says, I get it. They're blaspheming me. I'm going to defend my word. I'm not just doing it for you, Hezekiah, and for Israel, because you're upset and you might get killed by the Assyrians and taken into slavery. Do you know what? That's important, but do you know what's really important here? My name. And they've blasphemed it. And when the devil comes in and rides over us and puts things on us and we're down and we're, we're not looking right and people look at us and go, him, a Christian? When you go, Lord, these people are laughing. Help me. Defend your name. And the Lord will drive the enemy out in our lives. So, that's a great result, isn't it? It's a fantastic result. They've gone from a big army. They don't know what to do. They've gone before the prophet. They've asked God's perfect will. They've humbled themselves. They've prayed. They've prayed in the right way. The way that they knew would, can I say, inspire. They knew that the Lord would work. If they prayed that prayer. They had a revelation that said. God will defend himself. My God's a warrior. And he'll do it because he doesn't want blasphemed. And they got the result. And you think. Fantastic. Brilliant. God's on our side. But. But. It's not even over yet. There's loads of situations in life we get to the. Yay we've won. And then. Ah, that's great, and you celebrate, fantastic. And then hang on a wee minute, 2 Kings 19.8. When the field commander heard that the king of Syria had left Lachish, he drew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received the report that Terecha, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. So again he sent messengers to Hezekiah with the word. So here we are, the king's already passed judgment, Right? Our king, God, has passed judgment on their king, right? And he's done what he wanted to do, so God set up a diversion that's going to take the king away and get him away from Jerusalem. So that's already happened. And here's this commander, and he's heard what's happening, and he's got up and he's seen it. And he sends a messenger that says, So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah with his word. Right? So you think you've got the victory. So Hezekiah's going, oh, things have gone away. Things are starting to move here. 
And then he gets this message from this bloke again, Sennacherib. And he says, say to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you. He's accusing God of deceiving them now. Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. How did he know what God said? How did he know what the prophet said? Was it just a good guess? I bet they'd been to that prophet and that prophet's give them a wee bit of a boost. Don't worry boys, God's on your side. Because that's what prophets are for. And he's boosted them up and they'll always say, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win. Just send them a wee message. Send them a message and just make sure they know their place. Not to get too excited. Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. He's repeating his message. We're better than everyone. And will you be delivered? Questioning him again. You think you can be delivered? So now they've actually got God's word. Things have started to change, but the devil's not given up. He's not going to let you off that easily. You think you're winning? You think you're getting better? You think your latest results? You're looking a wee bit better. Do you think you're actually going to get better? Do you think that latest letter back from that job, maybe going for an interview, do you think you're going to actually get that job? Oh, the school bully's been dealt with, but do you think that's it? Do you not think you're coming back again? Because do you know what? This isn't a real victory. This is just a wee false hope for today. Look what happens. Your spirit goes down again. Oh, I, 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 the army's over there, but I, right enough. I've got a letter for this boy, so they've no finish with me. I've still no finish. The devil's no giving up. Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessor deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Resef, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Azar. Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Afrad? Where are the kings of Lear, Sepharim, Hena, and Eva? So the devil is basically saying, I'm not finished yet. And do you know what he done? He wrote it in a letter. So actually, Hezekiah will be sitting in the showroom and the boys will run in. Oh, Hezekiah, we've got a message, a message from Zenacrib. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder what he's all about. You're gubbed. We're coming back to get you. Don't think it's over. God's useless. That's all the stuff he said to us before. I'm not sure what to do with that. What does he do? What does Hezekiah do? This is beautiful, I think. This really touched me. 2 Kings 19.14 Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. So he reads it. Right, okay. Got that. And it says, And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. So I actually took the letter. There had been a scroll in those days. And he takes it with him to the temple. He goes into the temple and he goes, Here Lord, look. See that letter that they've written. See this devil threatening you. Here it is. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Listen, Lord. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. 
It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian king have laid waste to the nations and their lands. It's true what they're saying. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. It's true. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Here's this letter saying, from a, a baddie Lord, saying that you're rubbish. You can't help me. Lord, your name's at stake. I'm the man suffering in the middle. But your name's at stake, Lord. Are you going to let this happen? Are you going to let it happen? He casts all his cares on him. He actually brings a letter, Lord, look. Can you see that, Lord? Are you, can you read that? Are you going to do something about this? This letter from the hospital that says I'm not well. That I'm not going to get any better. This unpaid bill that I can't, can't meet. This letter of redundancy, Lord. Are you going to let all these, this devil just destroy my life? Report from the school that my kids are acting up. A letter for the police. A letter for the procurator fiscal. An unflared disciplinary letter. Lord, can you see these things? Can you see it? Can you see what the devil's trying to do? Are you going to defend your name? We need to be bold and go to the Lord like that. It's not just me, Lord. It's not just my name. It's not Tony Bolarski. If I'm defeated, Lord, you're defeated. If I go down, Lord, it's your name that's at stake. Can I ask you a question? Can we fight for ourselves? Can we? Can we be the devil? Can you take him on yourself? No. So where else can you go but the Lord? Does he expect you to fight yourself? Does he expect you to think it all out? Does he expect you to read the letter and come up with a plan and boom, got it sorted, no problem? No. He wants you to go to him. He wants to show his glory. He wants to show it. It says it here now, Lord, deliver us from the enemy's hands so that all the kingdoms, that everybody will know that you alone are God. When we get trials, when things happen, it's so that God can show his glory in us. He can show what overcoming is. So he does, he wants us to take it all to him. Cast all our cares on him. Lord, here's that letter. Did you hear what the devil said, Lord? Defend yourself, Lord. Defend your name. There's no glory in a broken church. There's no glory in broken Christians. Doesn't he he show forth God's glory? Victory does. And he'll give us a victory in our lives. So he prayed a very bold prayer. And he showed the Lord the letter. And the next day he was out in the wall. And he got shot with an arrow and died. That's not what happened. God defends his name. He's precious about it. He's precious about his image. The image of Christ. God responds, then Isaiah, the son of Amos. So, Hezekiah's praying, he's shown God the letter. Does God speak to Hezekiah? Directly? No? No? No. Hezekiah doesn't get the word. It says, then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. 
This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. And basically, the next few verses are just, ultimately, he's going to get beaten. And I'll just read verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. He doesn't even say, Hezekiah, I'm doing that for you. (laughs) There you go, Hezekiah, I've done that for you because I like you, and you're a great king. For my own sake. And my servant David's sake. Because Jerusalem was David's city. And God had made a pledge with David. If we approach God right. When the devil comes in. If we do the right things. If we don't argue and fight and get caught up in all the politics and stuff that goes on. And try and figure it out ourselves. If we go humbly before him. If we fast and pray. And really seek him. Oh, just a wee old Lord help me better go away now and do something else if we've got problems and we seek God and we show God this is your name that's at stake they're making a mockery Lord I'm just not doing well at work and I'm trying my best and it's just not happening and everything seems against me my kids are getting bullied at school they're laughing at them because they've told people they're Christians Lord defend your name and I promise you because I know God will step in. God will step in to defend his name. And that's not to say that he doesn't love you. And he won't do it because he loves you. But he'll do it as well to defend his name. So nice Zenechrib. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 people. That's quite a big defeat. That left the nation wiped out. That was all their men pretty much. You know, there would have been men between uh, maybe 18 and whatever that went out to fight. And God just went, done. And when the people arose early in the morning, they were all corpses. All dead. So Zenechrib, the king of Assyria, departed and went away, as the prophet said, and returned home, absolutely gutted, and remained in Nineveh. Now it came to pass he was worshipping in the temple of Nishroth, his god, that the sons of Adramelech, sorry, that his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Eshadon, his son, reigned in his place. So he went home. The man that thought he could defy God, the man that thought he could tell Israel what to do, with no army, and then his own sons killed him. Let's start asking God to defend himself, to defend his name, and stand up and be the warrior that he is. Last one. So, number one, they said nothing. Number two, they humbled themselves. They went to see a prophet. They saw God's ministry. They were happy to go and get prayed for. They didn't think, I can do it all myself. Number five, they prayed correctly. They knew how to approach God. They gave him everything. 
Hezekiah showed him it all, spread it all out, cast all his cares on the Lord. And finally, something really important. Don't give up. Don't give up till the battle's over. Yeah? So in those days, right, so you think all this battle's going on, all this stuff's going on, and we've got an army outside the walls. Judah's been taken. It's a tough time. In those days, when that was happening, this means, right, and I'll show you why. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. So here's this wonderful king. He said his kingdom attacked, and now, in the midst of it all, Hezekiah was sick and near death. So, it's okay everybody, we're alright, we've got the Assyrians there, but see Hezekiah, he knows God. Because he's there, it's all going to work out right, because he set everything right. He put all, everything right in place, so as long as we've got Hezekiah as the king, we know that God likes him and he's done the right thing, and everything will be fine. Oh my goodness, Hezekiah's going to die. Oh dear. And Hezekiah himself, alright, okay, so I've done everything right. Now the enemies come in and just absolutely like a flood and attack the kingdom. Oh, but now I'm going to die as well. That's what they call a bad day at work. <laughs> a really bad day at work. That's when you know the odds are stacked against you. So in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him. Oh, so... Here's a Hezekiah, he's lying in his bed. Oh, I'm dying, I'm dying. It's not very good. I hope I get better. And a wee knock on the door. Oh, Isaiah's here to see you. Oh, oh great. Isaiah, that's good. Send him in. Send Isaiah and That'll be nice, because Isaiah, you know, we got on great. And I love to hear from the prophet, the word of God. This is brilliant. Isaiah's come. Send him in. Here comes Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. My goodness. If you want the odds against you, that's when God's against you. When God's decided that you're finished. If God told me, if God sent a prophet to me and, well, Tony, you're going to die, pack your bags, I'd go, Karen, get me that bit of paper and that pen, I'll write my will. Because God said it. A prophet said it. God's told me I'm definitely not getting better. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Paul prayed three times and the messenger didn't leave him. I've prayed and I know and, well, I've been praying for a healing, but here God sent a prophet. And not any prophet. Isaiah. Not a minor prophet. Not some boy for the church that thinks he's a prophet. Not somebody that thinks they might have a word from God. But God's prophet. It's come straight into my bedroom and God, you're going to die. That's pretty final. That is pretty final. I've lost my kingdom and now I'm going to die and God wants that to happen. Pack it up and go home. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight and Hezekiah wept bitterly. No great prayer of faith. Just God, I was a good guy. I don't want to die. I just don't want to die. I'm not ready for it, Lord. He was only 40. He was an old man. Who 
older older in those days, but you know, he wasn't like Moses 80 or 120, he was only 40. He'd lived this amazing life for God. And he's prayed, isn't he? Oh God, I know you can heal. Lord, I know what you can do, and I know you'll sort it all out. He just says, Lord, I've lived my life for you, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die yet. And he says he went badly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court. So here's the prophet walking away. That was a hard message to deliver. My goodness, there's a guy. He was a great guy. And God just wants him to die. I, I don't get that, you know, but God's told me to do it. And I'm just go up the road now and the Lord knows what's going to happen next. I don't. And he's walking out. And he, before he, he'd even gone out into the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, there's God placing him. This man's important. He's a leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. So that place is it where I said, right in the midst of that battle. What a terrible time that poor man had. Kingdom invaded, devil at his door, just pounding him, absolutely pounding him, telling him he was defeated. Then he takes ill, and he's lying in his bed, and this mighty prophet comes in and says, you're going to die. That's a bad day at work. That's a hard day. A hard day's not that, it's a real hard day. And all he done is say, Lord, I don't want that. You know, I hear a lot about how much faith you need to have for God to help you. I don't think Hezekiah had a lot, a great, powerful, amazing bit of faith there. I just think he spoke for his heart and hoped that God would do something. He wept bitterly. Didn't he demand that God healed him? And he didn't have a formula for healing. And he knew that if his confession was right, he'd be healed. He just went, God, God, he help. And the Lord heard that and stepped in. If you're sick or if something's wrong, don't give up. Don't give up. Even if somebody tells you, I think God wants you to stay like that. I think it's better for you. If somebody tells you that, no. You cry out to God. Until you're in the grave, (laughs) while there's breath in your lungs, you stand for the Lord and you ask God for what you need and what you want. And you say, Lord, if I go through this and I die, then that man, Seneca, will not only say that he invaded everything, but that you killed me. Does that glorify your name in the nations? Does it? Really? Lord, don't let that happen for your name's sake. We need to be more militant. Not like Tommy Sheridan. Okay? I'm not saying that. But with the Lord, we need to really get down to business. Even when everything looks as though it's not going to change. Even when God says you're finished, don't give up. Do not give up. So, a wee quick summary. And then one last point. When the devil attacked, he said nothing. Point one, didn't enter into that big conversation. 
Point two, they humbled themselves before the Lord. Fasting and prayer, vital. They went to get ministry, so they went for help to get prayer. They went to talk to the prophets, somebody that they knew, that they knew was hearing from God. And I will clarify that, because there's a lot of people call themselves prophets. You need to know somebody's right. They asked for prayer. They framed their request correctly. They called on God's name. Lord, stand for yourself. Stand for your name. And they took it all before God. He showed them the letter. Lord, whatever situation it is, I know you can help. And they didn't give up. Even when Hezekiah was told he was going to die, he didn't give up. Final we thought, time. How many times should we pray? How many times should we ask God for the same thing? How many times should we keep going back? Is that a lack of faith? Keeping going back? Think about this. If you go to the doctor and he tells you you're not well, yeah, and he tells you you've got to go back to the hospital every single week, do you say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not keeping coming back and taking the treatment. Sorry, doctor, that's a waste of my time. I'm not asking again and again. Or if you go and the first time they can't diagnose it, oh, I don't know what's wrong with you, Tony. Right, okay. Can you go for some tests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go for tests and you get nothing back. And then you go for more tests and you go for more tests or whatever else. You keep going, keep going. And not, you get no resolution. Just stop. No. You trust the doctor. You put your trust in the doctor to heal you, even though they give you drugs, that the side effects are worse than the actual illness itself. You can line a trolley and actually in the emergency and be thankful for it. Line with one of your daft wee goons on and they're walking about and you're like, oh, don't like this. You get rotten food. You get people treating you that don't care about you. You see consultant after consultant. You go through situations in life with your bosses, with your family, whatever, that just doesn't seem to want to stop. But you keep going. We're happy to do that. We're happy to go to the doctor. Why aren't we happy to just keep going to God? Why should we stop? Why are we told that it's not you're lacking faith if you ask more than once? Keep asking. Keep knocking. Because the Lord will answer. He'll stand up. might not be right away. It might not be when you think. But I guarantee that God will answer that prayer and overcome the enemy. If a man that's told by a prophet can still pray to God... And God turned round and changed his. Did God change his mind? I'm not talking about the theology behind that. God knew what would happen. But if that man can do that, can we not? When everything, when the chips are down, when it's all finished, and we think there's no way out, keep going, keep standing, keep praying. My enemy is defeated. Absolutely, utterly gubbed. As we would say, as much as Senecrib was defeated, the devil is defeated. He is all whistling in the dark. Jesus says that his words are truth. In the Greek that means reality. So no matter what's going on round about us, his words reality. That's where the truth is in the word. Keep pressing on saints. Keep fighting. No matter what your situation is. I trust God will help and bless us all. But let's pray differently. Let's really get... We might all do it already, but if we're not, Lord, your name's at stake. 
your names are stable they're laughing at you and they are look at the daft Christians sitting in that church who do they think they are, what do they think they're doing look at him at work look at him at school, calls himself a Christian ha 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 no, Lord help me with these situations and let God do the work God bless you saints let's just bow our heads in prayer Lord we thank you that in you we have a victory Lord that even when the chips are down we know Father that we can still keep praying and keep asking Lord and keep seeking and Lord even in that occasion if you've said it's finished Lord that doesn't mean it's over that's hard for us to understand Lord but we just pray Father God that you help us with these things that you help us catch a revelation of your perfect will for our lives Lord that you help us interact correctly with the ministries in the church Lord that we're able to reach out that we're able to ask for prayer Lord there's no formula Lord to an answer to prayer because you're not a contract Lord you're not a formula you're a loving caring God Lord help us to do the right thing by you Father we ask in Jesus name Amen.